You are listening to the Bristow Advent Christian Church Podcast. Visit us on the web at bristowacc.net. Thank you for listening. Good morning, everybody. Blessing to be here with you this morning. Is it me that seems like it's been a month since last Sunday? Is it just me? It, it was a long week, it seemed like. But it's good to be here with you this morning in the house of the Lord. Long week for me and Mike. It must have flew by for everybody else in the place today. Praise God, it's good to be here with you. Thankful for this day, this weekend. Thankful for the music that we had this morning. And uh, uh, if you don't know, take advantage of the backdrop back there with all the festive balloons and everything back there. Get those, snap those family pictures. Take advantage of that back there. Uh, a lot of thank yous to go out to Casey and Justin for their work for getting that ready. And there was a lot of work that took place behind the scenes within the facility this week by several individuals. Uh, thank you for that this week. A lot, uh, a lot of things got accomplished here in this past week that seemed like a month for me and Mike, but everybody else it just flew by. Happy uh, pre-4th of July to you. It's the 3rd of July, but it's... Uh, it's a, it falls just perfect when it falls on a Monday like that, doesn't it? Everybody gets an extra day off and get a three-day weekend if you get those things. But uh, happy 4th of July to you. Blessed and thankful for the nation that we live in. If you want to go ahead and turn to today's uh, scripture, it's Psalms chapter 33, verse 12. Just one scripture today as we look into uh, a 4th of July-themed sermon today to go along with our 4th of July music and our decorations that we have today. Psalms 33, verse 12, and somebody gets there, give me an amen. All right, stick your finger there, and we'll get to that here in just a little bit. But uh, we're going to look at life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This has been mentioned several times today throughout testimonies and speaking. and uh, We're going to focus on these inalienable, inalienable rights that, that are within this, this built into the framework of America. Now, you're going to hear some things today if you're a young person that you will not hear in, in history class. There are things that, that have been taken out of books that, 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 that you probably need to read, and there are things that you're going to hear today that you're not going to read in a history class, but they are true, and they are powerful words from our founding fathers. We're going to look at number one, life. Number two, liberty. And number three, the pursuit of happiness. As always, I'm thankful and blessed for the opportunity that God has given to me to share his word for you just a little bit today. I'm thankful for... For this country that we live in, you know, there's a lot of a lot of things about America that if I was in charge, I would change. And there's a lot of things about America that if you were in charge, you would change as well. But it's still the greatest greatest country on this face of this earth. God has blessed us and brought us to this point. And I I I will amen Miss Billings on that. God is moving. God is moving. Uh, our 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 hearts. And our minds need to be focused more upon God here in the days to come. You're going to see some mighty things out of God. You're going to see God move in a powerful way. You're going to see God empower people, His people, to do great and miraculous things, things that you never thought you could do. God is going to fill you, and you're going to do that. God is at foot. God is at foot. I'm thankful for His mercy and His grace and for His love. I'm thankful for each and every one of you, and thankful that you're here today. In this place with me. Ricky, where's your other? Oh, Ricky got all wide out of there. Where's your other beating right here, right now? All right. 
And Claire, who's got any better than we do? There you go. That's what I'm talking about. Good job. All right. Three points we're going to look at today. Number one, we're going to look at these inalienable rights that, that our founding fathers have given to us through being Americans. Number one, life. Number two, liberty. Number three, the pursuit of happiness. If you want to go ahead and stand, we'll read our one passage today from our text, and that is Psalms 33, verse 12. And Psalms 33, verse 12 tells us this, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Amen. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, and thank you for our reading of it today. Lord, I pray that you would bless our understanding of it, Father. I, Lord, there, there, there's an overwhelming feeling, Father, that you're afoot within our country, Lord, that you're about to move in a mighty and a powerful way. And God, Lord, please, Father, let us be a part of that. Lord, I pray that your word today would bring fire to our hearts. Lord, I pray that your word today would stir up our spirits, Father, as we look back in time, Father, in the history of our country and some of the things our founding fathers wisely and by your spirit put into our fa the foundation of our country. Lord, your blessing upon these people today. Father, your blessing upon our country. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. In 1776, 50 men signed a, a document handwritten by Thomas Jefferson. When it, and it says this, When in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve a political bond which they have committed with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and the nature's God entitles them. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, or inalienable rights, that among them are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That document was the Declaration of Independence signed in Congress on July 4, 1776, declaring America's freedom from the oppressive rule of England. And freedom has been the battle cry for this country for over 200 years. Now, in our text today, again, it says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen as his, as his heritage. The Pledge of Allegiance declares without apology that America is one nation under God. There's no, no, no denying that. We are one nation under God, Yet, we look at how far we have fallen. Let's suppose that sometime this week you, you flipped on the television and you turned on the news and you heard these, this on the newscast there. The Chief Justice of the Supreme Court has just issued this, divine, this statement. Divine providence, and that means God, divine providence has given, has given to our people the choice of their rulers it is the duty of our Christian nation to select and prefer Christians for those rulers. Then the next news thing came on, and you heard this. Inquiries by our reporters reveal that almost every state legislature has now passed a law requiring all elected officials to take an oath, and that oath is this. I do profess faith in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ, His only Son, and I do acknowledge the Holy Scriptures of the Old and New Testament to be given 
by divine inspiration. And then the news just kept on rolling. To top it off, you hear reporters saying this. Legislation was passed today in Congress to affirm that the Congress of the United States approves of and recommends the Holy Bible for use in our schools. It's hard to imagine those things being said in the United States today, isn't it? Unless God moves in a mighty way, you're never going to hear that on the news in the United States of America again. But they were said. It was John Lay, the first chief justice and the father of the Supreme Court, one of the primary authors of our Constitution, who wrote, it is the duty of our Christian nation to select and prefer Christians for places of office. It was the state of Delaware, along with most of the other ones, which required office holders to take an oath affirming their Christian faith before they could take office. And not only did Congress in 1782 approve the use of the Bible in our schools, they even paid for those Bibles with tax dollars. And in 1844, when someone sued to remove them, because lawsuits ain't nothing new, when someone sued to remove them, the Supreme Court ruled as this, why should not the Bible, especially the New Testament, be read and taught as divine revelation in schools? Where else can the purest principles of morality be learned so clearly or so perfectly as from the New Testament? We've come a long way from our roots as Americans. Our Christian heritage is slipping away. When Thomas Jefferson and our forefathers penned the words of the Declaration of Independence, they recognized certain God-given inalienable rights. Those three mentioned that we're going to look at today is again, number one, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Today, Americans' understanding of these rights has diminished. But at the time, those rights carried great political as well as great spiritual meaning. If we want the God of the Bible to be the God of this nation, as we often claim we do, we must realize what our founding fathers understood too well. That true life, that true liberty, and that true happiness can only be found in Him. Let's look at these rights today, uh, which all men have been endowed with by their Creator. And the first one we're going to look at today is number one again, life. Life. Jesus said this, In no uncertain terms, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me in John 14, 6. In other words, real lasting life can only be experienced through Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus said this, I have come that they may have life, and they may have life more abundantly in John 10, 10. Another translation puts it this way, My purpose is to give life in all of its fullness. Apart from Jesus, apart from Jesus Christ, this life is no life at all. The founders of our nation understood that. The founders of our nation believed that. And unless we believe in Him and commit our lives into His hands, then this life that we live really has no purpose. It really has no meaning. 
Our earliest settlers were people who came here for primarily looking for religious freedom. Regardless of what you hear now, they came looking for religious freedom. Other nations came about being, for the most part, into existence by conquest. They were either selfish and ambitious motives, but primarily in the atmosphere of our building of America and our settlers, it was primarily God, not gold, where America was born. The hardy souls who sailed on the Mayflower in 1620 fled from tyranny. They fled from oppression. And in the Mayflower, Mayflower Compact, which they signed beneath a swinging lantern in the cabin of their ship, they proclaimed that they had come to this new world for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. In the early colonies, once they set foot on the ground, the first public building to be erected was a church. And the first public exercise was worship of Almighty God. When sorrow came, they gathered at the church to appeal to God for help. When they had bountiful harvest and more than enough they filled their barns, they gathered at the church to praise His name. In 1643, as more and more people arrived on these shores, they joined together to form the New England Confederation. They wrote a constitution the first constitution that was written in the New World. And it began with these words, We all came into these parts with one and the same end and aim, namely, to advance the kingdom of our Lord Jesus and to enjoy the liberties of the gospel in purity and in peace. Now remember, though, around 150 years passed from the beginning of the earliest settlers to the beginning of our nation. There was a big time frame in there and there are things that occurred there that we're not very proud of as a nation. Some of those things that happened during those years. But as, as time passed and the original settlers died off, many of the descendants were more concerned with increasing their wealth and comfortable living than being faithful with, to God and His Word. And as wave after wave after wave of immigrants arrived, many of them came for other reasons with entirely different motives. The end result is this. By 1730, only about 10% of the people in the colonies attended church at all. But then something amazing happened. But then God is afoot again. Beginning in 1734, a handful of preachers began to preach in the churches and in the streets and in the fields. So many people came to Christ. And this era came to be known as the Great Awakening. Tens of thousands of people dedicated their lives to Jesus in that Great Awakening. We could use another one of them in America, couldn't we? We could use another one of those here in America. Benjamin Franklin wrote this, It was wonderful to see the change soon made in the manners of our inhabitants. From being thoughtless or indifferent about God, it seemed as if all the world were growing closer to God so that one could not walk through the town in an evening without hearing psalms sung in different families on every street. Why am I telling you this? What, what are you trying to get around to here, JP? Because, uh, uh, let me get, hang with me here. Because of this great awakening, this time frame, the great awakening was a precursor to the American revolutions. Our founding fathers, 
the authors of the Declaration of Independence, those who wrote the Constitution, those who wrote the Bill of Rights, those who put their lives on the line, those who fought, those who died that we might be free, all of those men grew up and came into leadership while the Great Awakening was engulfing the land. Listen to this prayer recorded in his personal diary by George Washington in his own handwriting. It says, Let my heart, gracious God, be so affected with your glory and your majesty that I may discharge these weighty duties which thou requires of me. Again, I have called on thee for pardon. I have called on thee for forgiveness of sins. For the sacrifice of Jesus Christ offered on the cross for me, thou gavest my, thy son to die for me and hast given me assurance of my salvation. The first president of these United States acknowledges Jesus Christ as his Savior and the Son of God and the source of all life. George Washington knew. George Washington believed that it was only through Jesus that sin could be forgiven and eternal life inherited. And, it's, and remember the words of Jesus, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. The second inalienable right today that we're going to look at according to the Declaration of Independence is this, liberty. Point number two, liberty. Patrick Henry was a great statesman. Patrick Henry was a great speaker. Patrick Henry was also a great patriot during the infancy of this nation. Do yourself a favor this weekend. Get on your phone, get on your tablet, get on your computer, and Google some of the, 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 the greatest sayings of Patrick Henry. Patrick Henry could stir them up, and his words will still stir you up today. Do yourself a favor, and there's a lot more than just that one or two that you know of. Patrick Henry was a great speaker. As a lawyer, he defended the charter under which the colonies were founded in America. He resisted the Stamp Act with these words. He said that Caesar had his Brutus, Charles I, his Cromwell, and George III may profit from their example. If it be treason, then let us make the most of it. His most famous speech, and the one you all know, was before the Virginia Assembly in 1775 when British troops were advancing to enforce King George's rule on Virginia. And at the conclusion, at the conclusion of one of his fiery speeches, one of the most fiery speeches ever delivered, Patrick Henry cried this, if is life so dear, or peace so sweet that it to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery, forbid it, Almighty God. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. And the fires of freedom that was lit that day still burns in this great nation. Do yourself a favor. Look up, look up Patrick Henry. The Statue of Liberty stands across the island of Manhattan in New York. Soldiers talked about their, their time of coming back from overseas, and they, they speak of the awe and the grandeur of, of seeing they sailed in the harbor, and they see the torch of freedom and Lady Liberty's hands. To the Christian, the Statue of Liberty and the cross of Jesus Christ have kindred meanings. Both symbolize the highest and the noblest in freedom and liberty. Both stand as beautiful and glorious beacons of liberated people. 
Jesus came into our world on a mission. On a mission of liberty. When he said this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor in Luke 4. Specifically, the Bible teaches that there are at least three oppressions in which Jesus came to liberate us. The Bible says that in the past the law held us like prisoners. But our old selves died and we were made free from the law so that now we serve God in a new way with the Spirit, not in the old way with written rules in Romans 7, 6. The Old Testament law was a system of rules and regulations that only served to condemn us. But Jesus canceled that debt. He canceled that debt which listed all the rules that we failed to follow to begin with. He took away the record of its rules and nailed it to the cross of Calvary in Colossians 2, 14. The Bible also says, and because we belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed us from the power of sin that leads to death in Romans 8, 2. Because Jesus has given us His Spirit, sin no longer has any power over us, and neither does death. Praise God. This country was founded by people who trusted in liberty the liberty found in Jesus more than the liberty granted even by our own constitution. What we often forget is that by declaring their independence on England, our forefathers made an equally strong declaration of dependence upon Almighty God. The closing words of the declaration solemnly states this, with a firm reliance on protection of our divine provider, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, our sacred honor. It is important that we remember this very basic declaration of their dependence because the United States today is rapidly forgetting about the God of our forefathers as well as picking apart our Constitution. The God who gave this nation its birth and its greatness is the only source of true liberty. Finally, point number three that we're going to look at today, the third inalienable right recognized by our forefathers was number three, the pursuit of happiness. Now, I'm not telling you nothing you don't know here. Happiness comes and happiness goes from day to day, doesn't it? Situations and experiences can make us happy or those same situations and those same experiences can make us sad, dependent upon outside forces. The word often translated blessed in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount actually means happy. And the New Century Version translates it as such. And it says this, These, those people who know they have great spiritual needs are happy because the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. Those who are sad now are happy because God will comfort them. Those who are humble are happy because the earth will belong to them. Those who want to do right more than anything else are happy because God will fully satisfy them. Those who show mercy to others are happy because God will show mercy to them. Those who are pure in their thinking are happy because they will be with God. Those who work to bring peace are happy because God calls them His children. 
Those who are treated badly for doing good are happy because the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. People all across this country will spend their lives pursuing a temporary sort of happiness, but that's all it will ever be, a pursuit. They will never be satisfied. They will never have enough. That empty feeling will never be filled. The pleasures and distractions of this world will never provide a lasting joy or a happiness. True happiness can only be found in Jesus Christ. And in Him, it can never be taken away. Psychologists tell us that people need three things to make them happy. See if you agree with the psychologists here. Number one, people need something to do. Number two, people need someone to love. And number three, people need something to look forward to. Jesus gives us all three. Jesus gave us something to do, saying, I tell you the truth, whoever believes in me will do the same things that I do in John chapter 14, verse 12. Jesus gave us someone to love, saying, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him in John 14, 23. And Jesus gave us something to look forward to, saying in John 14, 2, When everything is ready, I will come and I will get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Only in Jesus. Only in Jesus can Americans or anybody else find genuine, lasting happiness. Let me wrap this up. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights that are among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. If we really are patriotic, if we, really, if we were generally concerned about America, if we earnestly want God to bless her, if we earnestly want God to bless her, then let us live a life of harmony within the will of God. Pray for our nation. Pray for our nation. God, give us another great awakening, Father. And Lord, let me be a part of that. God, send another great awakening. God, bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with the light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans, white with foam. That's my favorite part, white with foam. God, bless America. My home, sweet home. So as we celebrate the birth of our nation, as we gather together with family, and as we enjoy that fellowship, as we enjoy that food, as we enjoy blowing things up, which I like to do too, as we celebrate the birth of our nation, let us not neglect praying that our nation might give a, a, a new birth of freedom. Not a, a, a freedom from, from God, but ultimately, that leads to slavery. But uh, rather, a freedom built upon God and a freedom built upon His Word. Also, may each of us as individuals reaffirm our dependence upon God. And then, as our forefathers 
of our country did, we will find in Him, number one, our life, number two, our liberty, and number three, our happiness.